I am Camille Johnson, and this is Finding the Floor. Stories and reflections of midlife motherhood, family, and finding meaning in it all. Join me as I share a little piece of my life and figure out what I want to be when I grow up. Hey friends, welcome to Finding the Floor. This is episode 75, you guys. I'm kind of psyched. 75 episodes. Yay! And today we're going to talk about being 1% better and kind of thinking about our goals for the new year. I know this is a little early, but I thought I'm not going to be recording the next couple weeks because of Christmas and New Year's. And I'm sure all of you might take a little bit of a break to relax, maybe not relax right before Christmas, but as we get ready for Christmas and we have some time to think in between Christmas and New Year's, I thought this might be helpful. Just the way we approach our goals and the New Year's resolutions that we decide for the year that come up and thinking about those just a little bit differently. So, but yeah, again, 75 episodes, woohoo. So I'm like three quarters of the way to getting to 100. And I just want to say, I'm just so grateful for you guys for listening each week. Again, I think I say this every week where I'm like, wow, people are still listening to this. So thank you. Um, And if you're new, Welcome. That is way awesome. Thanks for joining the podcast. All right. So I do have to just share a little bit. It's funny. Remember how last week I said my youngest was home because there was not enough bus drivers and now my high schoolers are home for the rest of the week. Our break begins like their last day of school is Friday and COVID cases were up. I think because in the North, things are like, everything's coming inside. I know I have people all around me that are testing positive for COVID. So hopefully you're well. If not, hang in there. <laughs> um, but yeah, my high schoolers are home. I have to make sure they are passing before Friday. <laughs> so that'll be fun. And the other thing, last weekend, we had this really fun birthday party. So we haven't done a birthday party in like a while, like a real birthday party. So almost two years. And so we just celebrated cute Millie and she wanted to have a Harry Potter birthday. And it was so fun. I had so much fun going pretty much not like all out because I didn't like Reddit Castle or all that, but I had fun. Like my main thing I was, um, I don't know, emphasizing, I guess would be the word in the party was their take home swag. And so the way we planned the party with all our classes and we had like 
this little mini diagonale where everyone got like a wand and we made these notebooks for all the classes we were going to have. And they just went home with a lot of stuff. And that was just fun. And it was fun in general. Like we did a potions class and herbology and I made a Dementor pinata again, which again was hard to like break, (laughs) but so fun. So that was really fun to have a party again. And I'm a little sad because like we might be getting to the point as you know, Millie's my youngest and like she may not want a party like this. So I think that was the other reason why we just had fun, like going all out for us, I guess I should say. (laughs) So that was fun. All right. Enough of that. Okay. So today I was inspired by this idea of 1% better because I remembered this talk from General Conference just this past October titled like 1% Better. And he talks about the British Cycling Club and their history. So if you haven't heard the talk or you haven't heard of this story before, it's pretty cool. And it's also in the book Atomic Habits by James Clear, which I just only read the first chapter because that's all I could get a sample of. It wasn't like available. I mean, unless I bought it. But anyway, the story of the British Cycling Club or the professional British cycling team is that for 76 years, they had only won one gold medal. And in the past 15 years now, since 2004, when David Brailsford took over, they are now dominating the events and winning like in the past Olympics or two, they've won like 60 or 70% of the medals. And the past five or six years, they've won, a British cyclist has won the Tour de France. So it's just really cool. And one of the principles that... David Brailsford had when he was just trying to figure out how to improve the club, not the club, like improve this professional, you know, cycling in Britain was just this little tiny marginal gains, the aggregate of marginal gains. If we start changing all these little things, then the combination of changing all these little things will make such a big difference. And so they just like thought about what are all the things that go into cycling and how can we improve on all these little things? So they changed like the seat and so it was more comfortable and they made sure that the riders would wear this heated belt so that their temperature would stay like regulated and then they also had a surgeon teach them how to wash their hands properly so they wouldn't get sick and then one of the big things they did it seemed like a sort of seemed like a small thing but during the tour de france it's 21 day race and they stay in a hotel like they race for six hours and they have to sleep and they stay in different hotels like the whole way and so David and his team decided that they were going to have mattresses made specifically for each rider and pillow and that 
these mattresses would go along. So every night they'd be on the same mattress. So they'd have the same amount of good sleep because sleep really does make a difference. So it was just all these little things that they put in place. And because of them all together, it seemed to make a really big difference. So it's been interesting. I've been thinking about that with like goals. And I think I've talked a little bit about this before, like with my running that I did, the way I did it was like the small changes, like a minute run, a minute walk, and it slowly got like more minutes running and fewer minutes walking so that I got up to the miles that I needed to get. So I didn't just start doing this great giant thing, even though that's what I eventually wanted. So if you think about the British cycling team, I guess you call them the national British cycling team. They obviously, all the 76 years before that, that they were not successful, they still wanted to win gold medals. They had those goals, right? But there was just something that wasn't quite working for them. The way some, I don't know, it was just this idea that just had really helped. So it was funny. My husband was challenged by a friend of his to like not drink soda. I don't know if it was the whole month of December, but it was the beginning of the month. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to challenge you guys not to drink soda. And I think I've mentioned this before, but he drinks a lot of Coke Zero or Dr. Pepper Zero. And that's just his thing. (laughs) And he started with the challenge and he first of all had really, really bad headaches. And then he noticed that to like replace that habit that he had of drinking a lot, he was like eating. And so then he was like gaining weight. And this was only just like two days of it. And so we started talking about it. I was like, well, what is the point? Like, why are you doing this? And he's like, well, I probably need to not drink as much soda. And I said, well, we remembered the talk. And I was like, well, what if you just work on slowly decreasing your amount of soda each day and then slowly replacing that with a little more water? So the goal is to still be hydrated. You're not replacing it with food. So he decided to do that. Plus, it takes the pressure off this big thing that seems like really hard to accomplish or to kind of to keep going at it. And so the smaller steps, these baby steps, I think the fly lady talks about this even as you're developing and doing something, the smaller steps makes it seem more and more manageable. So 1% gains, like what can you do? What small things can you do to make a difference and make small improvements? So he has been doing that. He's been slowly decreasing the amount of soda he's been drinking or pop, however you say it, where you're from, and then increasing water. And he's like, oh, it just it's so much easier to do it this way. I just feel better. Like, I feel like I could actually climb this big, big mountain. And I thought it was interesting. I also watched a few interviews that David Brailsford did about his whole philosophy. And he said, you know, at the beginning, we had this giant mountain to climb and it just seems so overwhelming. And 
what the small 1% gains did for us is it energized us. We started to see how just like all these small little changes could make a difference and it energized us to keep going and we developed this culture of continuous improvement because we could make the small changes and they were easily sustained and that could energize you. So if you remember, I think it was one of my self-love talks about like the small keeping commitments to yourself and about making my bed and how I decided I'm just going to start by like making it poorly and then making the small just trying to develop this habit of making my bed and so I have now made my bed pretty regularly for I would say over a year and it's funny how before I mean, I, I didn't mind my bed unmade. Sometimes I was like, what is the point? We're just going to get back. It's not a big deal. But now I notice that I actually enjoy having a made bed. And I also am like, oh, it really doesn't take that much time to make my bed. So I've gotten better at the habit. So it's quicker. And I also just like the look of having my bed made. So it's just like these small things that you don't think are going to make a difference. And then you notice how they are making a difference. So when I was thinking about the small things, how sometimes when we have these goals in mind, um, we want to do something big, but it does seem sometimes overwhelming. And that taking those small steps really does make it more manageable and like keeps us kind of going. But sometimes you really want something big to happen. And I was thinking about the story of Naaman from the Old Testament. And as I was reading through the story, I noticed a few things that stood out to me in the story of Naaman. Now, I don't know if you all are familiar with the story I'm talking about, but Naaman is a captain of the Syrian army, and he has leprosy. A couple things that stood out when I was reading again. One was just how important Naaman was. Like he pretty much was, it says, captain of the host of the king of Syria. So a host, I'm guessing, is like all of the army. So he is the main guy and had given them deliverance. So he was this hero in in Syria. And Then he has leprosy and they had captured a maid who was from Israel. And she said, well, don't you know that he could be healed by a prophet? And then this message gets to Naaman, it gets to the king. So the king of Syria sends a message to the king of Israel saying, I've heard that there's some prophet who can heal leprosy and I I have a captain who has leprosy and I want him to be healed. So the kings are communicating. So I was like, wow, this guy is really, really important. They want him to be healed because he's done so much for this kingdom. And so then the king of Israel kind of is confused as to how they're contacting him. But the prophet Elisha finds out that the king of Syria wants this captain, Captain Naaman, 
to be healed. And he says, okay, just send the captain to my house. And so again, he's so, so important. So he goes to Elisha's house and Elisha sends out a servant and gives him a message to go and wash in the Jordan River seven times. Um, well, actually it says that go and wash in Jordan seven times and thy flesh shall come again to thee and thou shalt be clean. Okay. It seems like such a simple, small thing. And it's interesting because, you know, Naaman, again, he's really important. The king of Syria wants this guy to be healed. And he reached out to the king of Israel and it's just a big deal. So it goes on. This is in Second Kings chapter 5, and we're in verse 11. It says, But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he surely would come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Parpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters in Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. And then verse uh, 13, it says, And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather than when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean. Ah, that is really such a profound statement. Like, wouldn't you have done something great if the prophet had asked you, how much more then can you not do this small thing? Go wash and be clean. So then Naaman, it says in verse 14, then went he down, dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. So sometimes I think it's so easy for us to think that the little things don't matter. And just like this, we want to do great things, but it all starts with some of the little things. So I was just thinking about our goals. And as I was reading more and getting more information about the British cycling team and reading about this first chapter of James Clear's book, the one thing they talked about was it's not just about those 1%. Although it is like those small things you can do really do make a difference. But it's those small things put into a bigger system that then helps make even the biggest of difference. So what's interesting is the British cycling team, they have this these core principles and core is an acronym for C is commitment. So they... If they are to take a biker, they don't take anyone unless they're really committed to this program. Then the O stands for ownership. And part of what David Brailsford think the British cycling team really helped their quick progression into excellence was the fact that every biker, every coach would take ownership and they would they would be actually required and asked to give their opinion and what they thought about how things were going. And because they had developed this openness to continuous improvement with these ideas of like, how can we improve all these little things that 
each cyclist and coach would take ownership and there wasn't a lot of forcing like to the cyclist, like you have to do it this way. There was a lot of back and forth and listening. And then the R stands for responsibility. So there was this accountability and responsibility that was part of the program and then excellence. They they wanted to achieve excellence the best they could get. So another cool thing I thought about what David Brailsford's philosophy was is just that he said he wanted to be able to create an environment where somebody could just do their very best obviously in cycling but he's like I just I did all this research like how do you create this environment where someone just can reach their fullest potential in this way and so that's what he strove to do and what's interesting is in James Clear's book near the end of this first chapter, he talks about, you know, sometimes when we set goals, it has this like yo-yo effect where we like have a goal and we accomplish it. And then we don't know what to do next. Like for instance, with my running, I think it's really funny. So I had the goal to run this race. So I did all this running and I did the race. And then I literally maybe have run once or twice since June. <laughs> Part of it was because I got a little bit injured and was taking a break. But I think the other part was it just was a little too much for me. Like I couldn't sustain that amount of running. So maybe I just need to have a goal of like maybe a 10K is something I could manage more. And in general, though, I have kept up regularly working out because that is my goal of being healthy And I do that regularly. So I do have a system, but that big goal of running, he said, sometimes you get the goal and then you stop and you don't know what to do next. So he said, really, the results are not necessarily the whole point. It's like the process of how you change to accomplish those things. And he's saying, As we do the little things with habits, that's why sometimes the bad habits, the little bad habits don't seem like a big deal at first, but as they compound over time, it does become a big deal. Or the same thing with good habits. He's saying good habits and those little things you're doing regularly every day as they compound, it doesn't seem like it makes a difference for a while. And he says, usually with good habits, whether you're like um, trying to eat better and at first you're doing it for weeks and weeks and weeks and you don't really see much of a difference. In this chapter, he has like this graph of um, time and our results and kind of we think we it should travel in this linear way and actually he has like a curve. So instead of going kind of in a straight diagonal, He says it really is like a curve. And a lot of times we have what is called like the valley of disappointment. Or I think I've mentioned like the river of misery. Sometimes we're in the middle of it and we haven't reached that critical threshold. And he says, we often expect progress to be linear. At the very least, we hope it will come quickly. In reality, the results of our efforts are often delayed. It is not until months or years later that we realize the true value of the previous work we have done. 
This can result in a valley of disappointment where people feel discouraged after putting in weeks or months of hard work without experiencing any result. However, this work was not wasted. It was simply being stored. It is not until much later that the full value of previous efforts is revealed. And he has the example of an ice cube and how an ice cube isn't melting. If you're in a room, a cold room that's slowly heating up, the ice cube won't start melting until it hits 32 or 31 degrees. And that's when it will start melting. Before that, you don't really see much of a difference, but really the difference is there. It's all heating up, but you don't see that until then. And he said, a lot of times we, we think people who are successful have this overnight success but we really haven't seen all the hard work that they put in. And to be patient with all of that hard work and those small little things. So what is the whole point of this? <laughs> I was like, am I making any sense? First of all, I want to emphasize how sometimes it's the little things that make the difference, but we just have to keep doing them regularly. So doing some small things that you don't know how quickly they'll make a difference, but they do make a difference. I think about my gratitude journal. I've been keeping that now for a year and a half, and I really do feel like it's made a difference in my life. And it's just a simple thing I do regularly to remember to be grateful for all the things regularly, the daily things, the simple things in my life. And after so many days and weeks and months and now over a year of doing this, I actually look forward to writing down the things I'm grateful for. And it's having a benefit that I mentioned before, like creating a history as well for me. So what does this all mean for us? So I was just thinking as you go into the new year and you think about what goals you want, maybe we need to just get a little deeper and think about we're going to go deeper into like what are things we want to get done? Why do we want to do them? And what are all the things that maybe go into doing this? You think about the cycling when they were thinking about how they were going to climb this mountain of trying to get a gold medal. It seemed like a very daunting task. And they gave themselves four to five years. They, they told reporters, yeah, we're going to be, you know, getting a gold medal in five years. And they were trying to figure out how to do that. They had this big, wide goal. And then they took in all the things that might come into it. And then they took the small steps, the 1% better, finding things that they could tweak and change, all the little things, and taking slow 1% betters every day will make such a difference. So in James Clear book, he said, if you strive to do 1% better every day of your life, the compound interest of doing that, timing that by 365 so 1% better to the 365th, it compounds and you are 37 times better by the end of the year with just a, one, a small thing you're doing. 
And so as I was thinking about a simple thing that I've noticed with my kids, again, it's why my show is called Finding the Floor, is that we don't have a regular system or regular habits or regular things put in place that they do to clean up their room. It's usually like, oh, just on Saturday, clean up your room or your room's a mess. If you want to do anything, you have to clean up and it just seems overwhelming And I've thought about this before, and for some reason, it just seems like hard to implement, but doing smaller things regularly, that is going to help them. And all of you probably all know this, but it's just a simple thing. But the other thing I want to involve is maybe some of those core principles, like getting more ownership from my kids and to take responsibility and commitment to this because... Sometimes it's hard when they don't even care. So it's hard for me to remember to be on them, to ask them to remember to do the small things. So today, if you want to look more into like the 1% Better and the British Cycling Team, I was really cool. Or I know I'm going to, I've reserved the Atomic Habits. I read the other Habits book that I shared with you, but it'll be interesting to see how this is a little bit different. And maybe I'll have a... A podcast just going a little more detail, but I think for me, my goals this year are going to be a little more broad, but also then a little specific and small as I try to accomplish what I want to do. So I'm looking, what are all the things that I want to do and why? And then what are those small little steps I can take to do 1% better so that I just keep going and don't get overwhelmed? Okay, you guys, I hope this makes sense. Um, you know how some things make sense in your head and then when you actually say them, they don't make sense. So anyway, have a wonderful and happy and Merry Christmas. So after today, there will be, I think it's like two weeks that I won't be putting out a podcast. So my next podcast, I think, is not going to come out till January 7th. So have a Merry Christmas, a very Happy New Year. Just enjoy and love your family and try to take in all the wonderfulness of the hope of Christ in this wonderful season. And thanks for listening. And I will talk to you after the new year. Okay, bye. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you have any questions, come by findingthefloor.com where I will have show notes and links for anything I've mentioned today. Special thanks to Seth Johnson for creating and performing the theme music. Come back next week and thanks for listening.